0: You need to get out and register to vote, and if you don't vote, then you can't complain. And We don't want to hear you complain if you don't vote. And so so we need to pray about these things and really get the mind of God. Amen? So join me in prayer, would you please? Lord, thank you tonight for your goodness. We praise your wonderful name. Thank you for a time of of, of recreation and rest and refreshing for, for Pastor Mike and for his family. And Lord, just give him a great time of... Of just getting away and time in your presence and just time away and to hear from you and to be refreshed and just to come back home and just be that much more powerful as a pastor and a leader and we thank you so much for a great time, uh, safety as he travels, divine protection. We also thank you for our troops around the world for divine protection around about them. You've given your angels charge over us to keep us safe in all of our ways they do bear us up in their hands lest we dash our foot against the stone. Your angel encamps around about those that fear you to deliver them from harm. And so we thank you for safety, Father God, and and wisdom to our our nation's leaders and our military leaders and and how we conduct all these affairs. And we also uh, pray about this upcoming election. Lord, we just desire your will to be done. We desire the person you want to lead our great nation forward. Um, This is really a crucial election that will have long-lasting ripple effects uh, for years to come, generations to come in the future, I believe. And so we want your will to be done, and so we thank you. And for believers being stirred up to pray, to seek your face, to, to get out and to vote, to register to vote, to get out and to vote, and so we thank you so much. Now, Lord, tonight we thank you for the Spirit of God because he is here, and he will lead us and he will guide us into all truth. Cause your word to come alive on the inside of our hearts or we can hear it and just go live it, just go do it. It is in Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. amen. Shake somebody's hand, tell them, pay attention tonight. God's going to talk to you. He does. He talks to us in His Word, right? Let's turn, please, in our Bibles to the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, if you will, Acts chapter number 16. And I want to talk about then how to turn tough situations around. And whether you like it or not, or know it or not, we're going to all face a tough situation. Can you say amen? How many here have ever gone through a tough situation? How many here are sitting by that? No, I just take it back. No, I'm okay. not How many here right now would, could really say, you know what, Pastor Ray, uh, many don't know it perhaps, but right now I am in a tough situation. I raised both my hands on that one right there. How about you? And so we're going to face tough situations, but thank God, God's come to give us victory in Christ, He's made us more than conquerors through him who loves us. And if we'll be doers of the word, there is nothing that cannot be turned around by the power of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Faith will move the mountains in my life. So let's see the example here of Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. And as you read this, you'll see this qualifies as a tough situation. They've been sent out on the Great Commission. They're out preaching the gospel. They they, they set a girl free from darkness and from demon power. And because of that, they find themselves uh, imprisoned. They find themselves beaten. They, they find themselves just locked up, you know, when, in the stocks and so forth here. And my iPad, oh, there he goes. It just crashed. but they just came back. Okay, so Acts 16, verse number 25. But at midnight, no, let's go back to verse number 20, uh, 22. Acts 16, 22. Then the multitudes rose up together against them, And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they laid many stripes on them, that means they wounded them, they beat them. Um, They laid many stripes on them. Then they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely and having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and then he fastened their feet in stocks. Seems to me kind of excessive. How about you? These guys aren't, you know, terrorists. They're not serial killers. They're, they're not like some kind of military threat here. They've been beaten. They've been thrown in the inner dungeon. And for safe measure, they put their feet in stocks. These guys are preachers. They're not out causing all kinds of trouble and stuff. They're not some terrorist or something like that. And so this is what's done to them because they've obeyed the gospel and they've done the Great Commission. So what, So this qualifies, would you say so, as a tough situation. I mean, we get mad because the freeway's crowded, right? Or because, you know, something with our kids or whatever. Amen. So Acts 16, 25, at midnight, what do they do? And let's see, we're going to see four things from the story. Four things that we can learn here. Four things that we can do to turn tough situations around. Verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. And then he called for a light. He ran in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said, Sirs, oh now it's Sirs. Before that, they're just prisoners getting to jail, lock their feet up. Now it's Sirs. And he knew somehow this earthquake and this all happened here was somehow connected to Paul and Silas. So he comes in trembling, falls down before them And he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse number 31. So they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and he washed their stripes or their wounds. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. And now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. What can we do to turn these situations around? What are some things you and I can do to turn tough situations around? Number one, you need somebody standing with you. Find someone to stand with you. Paul had Silas standing with him. I think it was much easier that it was Paul and Silas and they were praying together and they were praising together. I think one fed the other. Iron sharpens iron. I think one encouraged the other. I think one kept the other person on fire. How about you? So find someone to stand with you. There's power in agreement. You need someone to stand with you when things go wrong. Write this down somewhere. God never called us to fight all the giants by ourselves. God never called us to face all the battles by ourselves. You might say, oh yeah, but you know David, he fought Goliath by himself. David fought Goliath, but then later on, Goliath's four sons grew up and in 2 Samuel 21, they're all grown now and they come back to try to get back at David for what he had done to their father. And the Bible says that David grew faint and David grew weary and four of his mighty men stepped up and they slew the giants on David's behalf. 2 Samuel 21 verse 15 and on to the end of the chapter right there. God never called us to fight all the giants by ourselves. Are you with me now? God never called us to live life alone. God never called us to do this whole thing called ministry and the Christian life and and to walk with God. He never called us to do this in isolation. So find someone to stand with you. Find someone to agree with you. What's amazing about the story here is that it's Paul and Silas. Now, earlier in Acts, it's Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. But at the end of chapter number 13 of Acts, Paul and Barnabas had a falling out. And they didn't see eye to eye regarding taking John Mark, who was Barnabas's nephew, on the next missionary journey. And and Paul kind of thought he was maybe not ready to go yet. And he'd quit them on the first missionary journey. But Barnabas, you know, he's a son of encouragement. He's like, come on, give the kid a chance. You know, he's all right. Besides that, he's relative to me. And the Bible said the contention got so sharp between them, they parted ways. You all right out there? And isn't it sad that sometimes relationships go south, right? But then some people will never trust anybody else ever again. If Paul had been like some people right there, he'll say, I'll never again have an assistant. I'll never again have a Barnabas. I'll never again let anybody ever get close to me ever again. See what happens? Somebody gets close, they stab you in the back. See what happens? Somebody gets close, they hurt you. See what happens? You open your heart to somebody and they stomp all over it. And if Paul had been like some people, he never would have had a Silas this next time around. But you go back and you read Acts 13. The first thing Paul did after Paul and Barnabas separated was look for an assistant. And the church and the believers there recommended Silas to him. And he said, Silas, come get on the team and come with him. The first thing Paul did was got Silas to go with him because two are better than one. Look, please, in the book of Ecclesiastes, if you will. Chapter number four. You with me so far? Ecclesiastes chapter number four. We'll come back to Acts or maybe put put a marker there or whatever in, in Acts. But in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number four, this is so, so crucial. This is why your growth groups are so crucial for your life. You guys have growth groups here, right? Small groups. We, we call them life groups, family life church, so it's a plan. Aren't it? It's the same thing, though. No, listen, nobody grows in isolation. Remember, isolation is the devil's strategy. He wants to keep people he, you know, offended and hurt and never trusting people again. People in my church say, well, you know, life groups, you know, I mean, I don't know. People are weird. Yeah, people are weird. You know what? People are weird. I'm weird. You're weird. All God's children are weird. You all right out there? You're weird. The guy sitting next to you right now is weird. The gal sitting next to you. Everybody, everybody's weird. Everybody's normal. until you get to know them, then they're all weird. So now that we got that settled, you'll fit right in a life group. Everybody's weird. Just just get in one. You can't grow. God never called us to grow in isolation. This is where the relationships are formed like Paul and Silas in our growth groups, in our life groups. And those guys had no idea in Acts 16 that on that day they'd be thrown in jail. Sometimes troubles come, we don't even see them coming. And before you know it, maybe it's not jail, maybe it's illness, maybe it's a child. One of my kids got thrown in jail. Raised in church, raised in my home. His brothers all serve God, but I just have one that keeps my prayer life really active. You all right? Now, he's home now. He's doing well. But there was a time when he was really um, increasing my confession of the word time in my life. You know? So we oftentimes don't see these storms coming. Those guys had no idea they'd be thrown in jail on that day. But they did. So you need somebody standing with you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. The Bible says, two are better. Everybody say better. Better. Now, in the Hebrew, the word better means better. That's deep, huh? Better, as in not worse. It says two are better than one. So then being an island, being by yourself, I don't need anybody around me is worse because the Bible says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. I think Paul and Silas did that in that Philippian jail. I think they lifted each other up. I think it would have been way more difficult had they been by themselves. When Paul and and Silas were in the Philippians jail right there, they they encouraged each other. They kept their focus on God. They prayed. They praised. They kept each other's spirits up. They didn't complain. They didn't blame each other. They didn't get mad at one another. They didn't have a falling out. They hung together. See, the scripture says two are better than one. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Verse 11 Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And the picture is standing back to back against an enemy. So I've got your back, you've got my back. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So four things there in that scripture, my work, my walk, my warmth, my warfare are all increased if I do life together with somebody else. You see it there? God never called us to fight all the giants by ourselves. Amen. So my work, my walk, my warmth, my warfare are all just, they're multiplied because two are better than one. So the first thing we can do, you need someone standing with you. See, some people would never trust somebody else again if they had a Paul and Barnabas falling out. Now, here's the good news. If you keep people at arm's length, because you're afraid of people. You're afraid of being hurt. If you keep people at arm's length, here's the good news you're right, they can't hurt you. Here's the bad news they can't help you. So you need someone standing with you. Here's something else I want to think about this as well be available to stand with somebody else too. Somebody else going through their tough time, they need someone standing with them. Be available. It might be very, very inconvenient when they call you and they need you to agree with them in prayer. Do You know, most of the miracles in the New Testament of Jesus were the result of interruptions. He was doing something else when they came to him. The daughter of Jairus was was sick. He he just came in, Jesus coming to my house and he's on the way to Jairus' house and the woman with the issue of blood came and touched him. On the way there, Jairus is kind of getting impatient there. Come on, come on, come on. We don't know how long he took. It was an interruption. Almost all the miracles of Jesus were interruptions. Somebody called to him. Bartimaeus called to him as he was going by. I mean, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. It's called the Great Commission, not the Great Convenience. Are you willing to be interrupted to help somebody else? Amen? And then they'll be there for you because we need one another Two are better than one. So the first thing we need to turn situations around like this, to turn tough situations around, you need somebody standing with you. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse number 19, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. He said, if two of you will agree upon earth as touching anything that they ask, it'll be done for them of my Father which is in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name. I'm there in the midst of them. Agreement. There's power in agreement. The Bible says one will chase a thousand, two will put 10,000 to flight. God's math is one plus one is 10. That's God's math. Amen? So find someone to agree with you and be there to agree with somebody else. Be there for somebody else. Amen? That's why it's so important. You need someone standing with you. Relationships are crucial. Now, listen, I'm not belittling. Everybody's been hurt by somebody. Everybody's been stabbed in the back. Everybody's been let down. Some people way worse, um, way more painful than others. But that's why the blood of Jesus has been shed. If we hold on to that bitterness, we will never be the person God has ordained us to be. If we hold on to that hurt and to that pain, We act as if we win or something when we hang on to it. I had a person, I was doing counseling one time and and just trying to encourage her and trying to show her the scriptures about forgiveness and forgiveness and and to forgive. And forgiveness is about release. That's why Jesus used the example of uh, releasing somebody from debt to illustrate forgiveness. And this person told me, but if I forgive them, then they win. And I had never thought in those terms before I had never understood or seen that people thought like that, that if I hold on to this offense, this is a spirit-filled Christian, been to Bible school, been to the same school I went to. And, 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 and I'd never realized people thought in these terms that, that, well, if I hold on to this offense, somehow I have the upper hand. And if I release it and let it go, then that means they win. And I'm telling you, I heard that. I was, I was just like, whoa, wait a second here. Wait a minute here. You understand how deceptive the enemy is right now in your thinking? Because you holding on to unforgiveness, the enemy's winning. You holding on to bitterness, you're not growing like you should. You holding on to unforgiveness, it's hindering your walk with God. It's hindering the call of God on your life. You holding on to forgiveness is now having ripple effects. And what was happening was having, it was having ripple effects now in her marriage and in her relationships. It, it was just beginning to spread. It was, just, it was hurting her in so many ways. But she held on and she held on and she held on. Are you listening to me now? And yet, I understand because hurt is real. And, and her hurt was real and her hurt was deep. And what happened to her should never happen to a person. But it did happen. And now what are we going to do about it? I need someone to stand with me, but I don't trust people. What can I do? We need to learn how to forgive and release and let it go, and we do that with the blood of Jesus and the love of God. Forgiveness, remember this, forgiveness is about release. It's about letting it go. It doesn't mean somebody else. It means God wins when I forgive. Doesn't mean the person what they did, I now say it's okay. What I'm saying is that that cannot hurt me anymore. I've let it go. I've released it. That will never again hurt me. That will never again haunt me. I have let that go. I forgive as I have been forgiven. Maybe Christians forget that they've been forgiven. Maybe Christians forget that their sins put nails through the hands of Jesus. Maybe Christians forget that their sins put nails through or a nail through his feet. Maybe Christians forget that their sins and their iniquities were laid upon him on the cross. I think sometimes Christians act as if they never even received grace because they never give any grace. What do you guys think? Not in my notes, but I think we're doing all right here. What do you think? We're digressing a little bit here, but... Maybe, so, you know, everywhere you go, there's somebody that needs to forgive. And everywhere you go, somebody's been hurt. And everywhere you go, someone, someone needs, to, needs to know how to forgive. I meet Christians, they want to forgive. They just don't know how. They, they don't want that dog in their tracks. They don't want them keeping them up at night. They don't want to have ulcers from this, but they do. But they haven't been taught. Jesus said, release it. Release it. Release it let it go. The Bible says he will never again remember our sins. He blots them out, amen, for his sake and will never again recall them. That's about release. He forgives our sin and he lets it go. And and if you're reluctant to trust somebody, my guess is you were hurt by somebody. If you're reluctant to let somebody in close to you and and let somebody in, my, my guess is somebody stomped on your heart. That's my guess. But listen, isn't it lonely though? Isn't it lonely living like this? Isn't it lonely? Do you see somebody else, I wish I could have that? And, and, And if you let that go long enough, you begin to think, somehow God is depriving me of that. No, he isn't. He has that for you if you'll do it the word way. He has that for you if you'll do it the love walk way. He has that for you and so much more if you'll do things his way. But if we hold on to this stuff, it, it, just, it just ruins our fellowship with God. If we hold on to this stuff, it just hinders us so much. After a while, we just kind of get used to it. We just kind of have this numbness or something about us, and we just kind of get accustomed to it. Why don't we instead forgive and let this stuff go? Why don't we instead just say, you know what, Lord, I, enough of that. And, 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 and you know it's compromising of the word when Jesus himself said to forgive. So we know when we're holding on, we're in direct violation of what he told us to do. Amen? We love Mark 11:24. 24. Come on, I went to Rhema. Mark 11, tw- we'd, we'd drop our Bibles on the floor. They'd open to Mark 11:24. 24. Right? What things to every desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Mark 11:25. 25. Oh, there's a 25? Yeah. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have... It says in the Old King James, ought. Or if you have something against somebody else that your father may forgive you, your trespasses. Mark eleven twenty-five, 25. And it begins with the word and, which means I'm not done teaching about 23, 22 have the faith of God, 23 speak of the mountain, 24 believe you receive, 25 and forgive. And if you don't do 25, forget 24. If you don't do 25, forget 23. You're in violation of the whole thing. Amen? So there's a better way. Why not? And he said, when you stand, praying, forgive. That means you can, it doesn't take this long 55-step process. When you stand, you can't stand forever. That's why you use the word stand right there. You can do it right now. Let's pray. Let's just do it. I mean, I don't even know why I'm doing, but maybe there's this one person here that needs to pray. Lord, tonight in, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe there's, I mean, everywhere you go, there's somebody, Lord. Someone's been hurt and someone's been just abused and someone's had their heart, like I said, just trampled on and and they want to trust and they want to forgive, but maybe don't know how or are afraid to do so. But you said when you stand praying, forgive. If you're holding on to anything against anyone. And so Lord, in Jesus' name, whoever it is right now, this is bow our heads. This This is between us and God right now whoever this is, and I just, not, I had zero plans to go in this direction, but we want to follow the Holy Spirit, and I pray your help tonight. We bring this before you right now, Lord. We, we know the word is there. Lord, there are some people here, they've known the scripture, known the scripture, known the scripture. They, they've ignored the scripture, dodged around the scripture, tried to gloss over the scripture, didn't want to think about it because they know it's there, and the reason why the Holy Spirit brings that up and brings that up and brings it up is he wants us to forgive, he wants us to move forward, and it's a hindrance. I had the same experience in my life many, many years ago against my own dad, and it just kept beating. When I was first born again, it was just there. It was there. I had to get through. I never would be here if I hadn't got through that. And so, Lord, tonight, we listen, right now, we just lift this up to you right now. And in Jesus' name, with your love and by faith, we walk by faith and not by sight. It's not by feelings. If we went by feeling, we've been going by feelings. That's so why we haven't done it. It's by faith. Faith in your word. And it's with a heart full of trust. Because for some of us, this seems really, really risky. But it's a heart, it's a heart full of trust in you, Lord. We lift up this, this offense, this, this hurt, this abuse. We, we lift this up to you right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, your word tells us to forgive. Forgiveness is about release and letting it go. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, the way we've been forgiven, you've released us and cleansed us from our sin. In the name of Jesus, right now, we let it go. We release it right now. We forgive that person doesn't mean what they did was right. We don't condone it at all, but we let the offense go. We release it right now. Never again will it dog our tracks. Never again will it hurt us. Never again will it haunt us. We let it go. Never again will it ruin future relationships. We let it go right now in the name, above all names, the name of Jesus. That name means Savior. And so we thank you right now and we release it. The devil tries to bring it back to our minds, whatever, say, nope, 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 on that night. In fact, it was the first day of June. First day of the month. First midweek service of that month. It was that first night. I remember letting it go. I distinctly remember releasing it and letting it go. In Jesus' wonderful name. And now, Lord, we worship you. We praise your wonderful name. We thank you for your word being true. Lord, we worship you. We praise you. We glorify your wonderful name. Thank you for your goodness. And now thank you for great relationships in the future. Thank you, Lord. We're going to be wise who we trust. We're not going to be foolish. We're going to be wise, but we will trust. We will move forward. We we will move in this area again. And not only that, but we will be a friend. And we will be one that can be trusted. And we will stand with others in their time of need as well. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good, amen? Praise God. Well, let's finish this up. I didn't have any plans on doing that, but if that's okay with me, okay with you, is that okay? So you need someone standing with you. You know, Paul could have been like, like like I said, hey, I already had Barnabas. Look what he did. Some son of encouragement he was, you know. But he went with Silas. And we see Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas. Later on, Paul and Barnabas reconciled in the scriptures anyway, so that's good. So, number one, you need someone standing with you. Number two, the second thing they did in the book of Acts and the story to turn tough situations around, keep your heart strong. They did that through prayer and through praise. Keep your heart strong. In the face of adversity, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. James chapter 1 says, count it all joy. Let me just paraphrase. When things go wrong, count it all joy. So, you know, hey, why are you so joyful today? Man, I got the worst problems you've ever seen. That's what the Bible says to do. Count it all joy. Let it be an opportunity for great joy. When you face challenges, when you face situations, count it all joy. There's a connection between joy and strength. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Every miracle in the Bible, other than creation itself, began with a major problem. So when problems come your way, Count it all joy. Hey, guess what? A problem came my way. Where am I? I'm in miracle territory, baby. I just crossed over into miracle country, miracle land. Why? Because something just went wrong in my life, and God is on my side to turn my situation around. Every miracle began with a problem. That's where God is active. Amen. So prayer, Brother Hagin used to tell us, prayer is joining forces with God the Father. Prayer is fellowshipping with him. Prayer is carrying out his will on the earth. Prayer and praise will help me see things from God's point of view. When I magnify the Lord, he gets bigger. When I worry, the problem gets bigger. When I magnify the Lord and I magnify his word, his promises get bigger. When I complain and when I worry, the problems get bigger. Next time someone says to you, hey, you know, you say, hey, how's it going? They say, you know how they say, can't complain? Tell them, thank you. I don't want to hear it anyway. <laughs> Isn't it true? Thank, it doesn't help. It doesn't work. Thank Thank you for not complaining. Amen. We don't want to hear your complaints. And complaining just doesn't work. Remember this. Worry is worthless. Complaining doesn't work. So when trouble comes, faith says, count it all joy. When trouble comes, faith says, there is a promise in the Bible for this. I'm going to find it and stand on it. When trouble comes, faith says, God is on my side. If God's for me, who can be against me? When trouble comes, faith says, you know what? My breakthrough is on the way. My miracle is on the way. We we keep our hearts strong. We grow strong through diet and exercise. Feed on the word and do what it says. Feed on the word and do what it says. Feed on the Word and do what it says. Say it with me. Feed on the Word and do what it says. One more time. Feed on the Word and do what it says. Point to your neighbor and tell them, Feed on the Word and do what it says. Diet and exercise. I think many Christians are good on the feeding on the Word part. It's not always so good on the doing of the Word part. Amen. The third thing that that Paul and Silas did, number one, Have someone standing with you. Number two, keep your heart strong. Number three, let God work the way he wants to. You stand upon the word, let God work. You stand upon the word and then rest. Now they're in prison there in Acts 16 and God sends an earthquake. When Peter was in prison, God sent an angel. Two different ways, same circumstance. Let God do it the way he wants to do it. If God wants to send a child, who cares? If God wants to send a dog, let him. Whatever whatever God wants, to, just let God work. Let God do it the way he wants to do it. Are you listening to me now? In the Old Testament, in the book of 2 Kings, a guy named Naaman who was leprous almost missed his miracle because it didn't happen the way he thought it should And he goes to the prophet's house and shows up there at the place where Elisha was. And Elisha sends his messenger out and says, you go tell him to dip in the river Jordan seven times. And that seventh time when he comes up, his flesh will be clean like a child. And Naaman got mad. The Bible says he went away in a rage. So I thought he would come out. And see me himself not send out his servant. And I thought he'd wave his hand over the place. Why can't I go to my own river in my own land? My rivers are, that river Jordan's all muddy. If you ever been there? You know it's muddy. It's all muddy and my rivers are clean and my water. And he got mad and went away in a rage. It didn't happen the way he wanted it to happen. Let God work. Let God do it the way he wants to do it. Earthquake, angel jump in the water, whatever God says, just let God do it the way he wants to do it. We box up God and say, he's got to do it this way, he's got to do it that way. Well, last time he did it that way, God has miracles he's never even done yet in the human race because nobody's even believed him for it yet. Let God do it the way he wants to do it. So anyway, Naaman's off in a rage like that, and one of his servants, thank God he finally calmed down, and one of his servants said, listen, Master, the prophet said to do some great and mighty thing, you'd have done it. So when he says, just go in the River Jordan seven times, what's the big deal? And thank God Naaman did. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Seven time he came up, completely clean. Leprosy was gone. Now even leprosy, that, that time there, it's the River Jordan. One time Jesus touched a leper, he was cleansed. Another time he said, go to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Same leprosy, three different ways God did. Let, don't box up God. Let him do it the way he wants to do it. Let God work. Listen, trust, and then rest. Trust, and then relax. God doesn't need your. Oh, you know, I know what I'll do. You know, God, Abraham. I, I, I know God promised this through you. You know, but I, I'll get. I'll go with Hagar instead, and that Ishmael. God didn't need Abraham's help with Ishmael. God knew what he said he would do. It was going to be Isaac through Sarah, but Ishmael instead through Hagar. And then later on, Isaac's born. And those two brothers, those two brothers are fighting today in the Middle East. Are you listening to me now? So God doesn't need our help on this. Let God work. Let him do things the way he wants to do them. I tell people, do everything you can in obedience to God and then rest. Trust God. God can be trusted to keep his word. So, you need someone standing with you. Keep your heart strong. Let God work. Number four, be ready to talk about Jesus. Your miracle is bigger than you. The miracle in the prison, the Philippian jail there, was, just, was bigger than them just getting out. God wanted that jailer saved and his family saved. Paul and Silas could have been bitter against that guy. Oh, now you call us sir. How were you earlier today mistreating us? But when that guy came in and said, sirs, how can I get saved? They were on the job. Didn't matter how bad they're hurting. Didn't matter how they've been mistreated. When that guy said, guys, when that guy said, sirs, how can I get saved? They told him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, not just you. Let's get your whole family saved tonight. why don't we? Be ready to talk about Jesus. Listen, keep the main thing, the main thing. And the reason why we exist is to, to reach a lost world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Other day I was at this mini storage place. We needed some more storage for the church. We, needed, we haven't gotten enough, so we needed some storage for some stuff. We're, making it, we're moving some stuff. And so, I, so I'm sitting there. I go, yeah, I like it here. It's close. You know, okay, good, right, da, da, da. So I go, okay. And so... Um, so the guy finds out we're at church and all this. And so there's two guys in there. And this one guy's all tatted up, you know, and everything. And he's kind of running the place. And, you know, he's all, he, you know, he's in there. And then he goes, he goes, you know why you're here, don't you? He's kind of like this. You know why you're here, don't you? I said, yeah, I know why I'm here. I'm here to win a lost world to Jesus. And he goes, well, I'm a Christian, too. And I walk around this place and I pray and I ask God to send us customers and everything else. And that's why you're here. I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. That's why I'm here. But he was like into it. Here's why I'm here. I'm here to win a lost world. Why are you here? Are you ready for someone to ask you the question, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Are you ready when God calls and calls upon you and somebody asks you the question? You got that, right? What must I do? (laughs) I'm honoring what must I do to be saved? So be ready at all times. You're God's ambassador. You're his representative to a loss and to a dying world. My miracles are bigger than me. God wants to reach somebody else through it. They could have been bitter against that jailer. They could have been mad at God that they're in this situation. Some people would have been. They could have been blaming each other, but instead they were on the job. They kept first things first. It's the will of God for all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So please always be ready to tell somebody about Jesus. Keep the main thing, the main thing. You know the scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So have someone standing with you. Keep your heart strong. Let God work and be ready to talk about Jesus. Why don't we stand to our feet tonight? Thank you, Lord. If we'll do these things, we'll see situations turned around. If we'll do these things, instead of cursing the wind, we'll adjust the sails. If we'll do these things, we'll realize I'm going to grow through this situation right here. I'm going to see God work mightily in my life. And somebody else is going to know Jesus because of this. Let's bow our heads tonight. Let's pray. Lord, thank you tonight for your goodness. And, and, And let's just do this. With every head bowed, with every eye closed... Maybe there's, maybe there's someone here that right now your heart's not right with God. Not, not like it needs to be. What's the condition of your heart? All, all of this we're talking about is really for nothing if we're not right with God. And God's already done the work and sent His only begotten Son to die for us on the cross and rise again from the dead. I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church like lots of us Latinos did. I grew up Catholic did the sacraments, Holy Communion, all that stuff. I was no atheist, but you know what? I had never received Jesus into my heart. I was caught in a trap. I really, I really thought I was okay because I had been baptized as a baby, but I had, never, I had never called on him like the Bible says. I'd never received him like the Bible says. And, and somehow I knew on the inside there had to be more. I just didn't know what it was. But I was no atheist. I mean, I, I, I believed in God, but I'd never made the connection. Maybe there's someone tonight. That's you. In just a second here, I'm going to pray for you. And, and if you want to open up your heart tonight and receive Jesus, I'm going to ask you right where you stand to do one thing. I'm going to ask you in a second just to raise your hand up high where I can see it. And then I'll lead us in a simple prayer right where we stand tonight. Maybe you're already a believer and you've already prayed like this and done this. But sometimes we allow things to come along in our hearts. You know, we kind of, we drift away and get away from God. But tonight you need to come back and and get things right with God. I don't mean you had a bad day. I mean that, you know, right now, you you know, your heart's not right with God and you want to get things right with him. And God brought you tonight on purpose. God brought you tonight in his perfect plan. And he's reaching out to you because he loves you. He's not condemning you. He's reaching out because he loves you. So I'm going to invite you in a second. If you would say, yes, please pray for me. I want to get things right with God. I'm going to invite you in a second to raise your hand. And then we'll pray. Right where you stand, we'll pray. And God hears our prayer and God comes into our life and does what only he can do with all of his love and his goodness and his mercy and his grace. Are you ready? Tonight, if you need to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart for the very, very first time, or you need to call upon him in a brand new way, Right where you stand. Can I see your hand right now if that's you? Is there anyone tonight? Yes, please pray for me. I want to get things right with God tonight. Let me look around just one time. Thank you. There's one. Anybody else? There's one. Anybody else? We're going to pray right now. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, please pray for me. I want to get things right with God. I'll give you just a second right now. Let's let God work. And you might be here saying, I know I should. I know I should. I know I should. You should. Anybody else? Let me look around one more time. All right, let's all pray like this. Let's all let's all lift one hand to heaven right now. Let's all pray together. Let's just all and you who raise your hand, let your heart agree with these words, and let's pray like this. Lord Jesus, with all of my heart, I believe in you. I believe you are the Son of God who died upon the cross for me. And Lord, I believe, on the third day, you rose again from the dead. Tonight, I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. You never give up on me. And I purpose to grow as a believer every day. In your name I pray, amen. The Bible says heaven breaks forth in praise when just one person comes to know Jesus. Can we just give God some praise tonight I right know, huh? Lord, thank you for your goodness. Now we thank you. We just pray a blessing upon your people tonight and thank you that we're blessed coming in and we're blessed going out and something great is gonna happen to us this week. We thank you so much in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Well, thank you for coming out tonight. I pray you were ministered to and blessed. And if you were one of those who forgave and released, you leave that released. You leave that gone, amen, and don't pick it up again. Be blessed, you're dismissed. Thanks for coming out tonight.